We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Friday, July 8th, coming to you live from Eugene, Oregon. We have a big breaking news episode of the Ducks Dish pod for you all today. That is because five-star quarterback Dante Moore has announced his commitment to Oregon. He becomes the highest-rated quarterback to ever commit to the Ducks in program history. This is a big one for Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham as they take over in Eugene and really look like they're ready to get this offense offense revamped. They're locked and loaded in 2023. We have plenty of stuff to talk about in today's episode. In case you guys are new here, I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Graham Metzger. He's a writer with me over at Ducks Digest. We are live on YouTube at Oregon Football, Max Torres. If you guys are here in the chat, definitely hop in that live chat. Throw us a question. Throw us a comment. Let us know how you're feeling about this breaking news for the Ducks. And same goes if you are watching us on replay. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with us. Graham, just got to ask you here, man. What's your uh, reaction here off top? Man, feeling good. Feeling good. Um, I know Ducks fans had this date circled for so long. And I I don't even want to imagine what Ducks fans would have done today if Moore had not come to Oregon. So I'm glad we don't got to deal with that reality. I'm just happy right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's an insane time for sure. There's a bunch of stuff we're going to get into in this one. We're going to talk about, you know, what what Dante brings to the field as a quarterback, brings to the table as a quarterback, uh, what this means for Oregon, both as a program, program, excuse me, you know how we get down on the Ducks Dish Pod program, um, what it means for the program and what it means for the Ducks on the recruiting trail here. Because like we talked about in the last episode, Graham, uh, this is prime commitment season for the Ducks being in the dead period. So no recruits can come to campus for visits, but Fortunately for Oregon, they just wrapped up a huge string of visits in the month of June. Yeah, and a part of that big final push before the July dead period, of course, there were a lot of highly touted recruits in Eugene, but Dante Moore, uh, I remember it was making headlines all day when he last minute decided to join that group of elite prospects in Eugene. And uh, I think it really just says everything about Moore's talent that you could have Mateo and Jaden Wayne already on campus and more comes through and he steals all the headlines. Um, so just absolutely huge. 
Yeah, he that was kind of a, a late development for Oregon. The fact that they were able to get him on campus when they did that, uh, as we saw, that ended up being the last visit. And I think when you look at the timing of this recruitment, I feel like that's such a big element here, right? Because let's just rewind the clock a little bit and get people up to speed. So Mario Cristobal takes the Miami job in uh, early December, and then the Ducks head to the Alamo Bowl with Brian McClendon as the interim coaching staff. All the while, what are they doing recruiting? But were they really recruiting? I mean, it's really hard to say because I feel like I was there at the press conferences talking to McClendon leading up to this game and that Alamo Bowl game, and you just got the vibe, not to many people's surprise, but it's like, it doesn't feel like this guy's staying. I mean, no, no slight to him. He he's a phenomenal coach. And, and he also, he always had really good interviews and I really, I really liked having him here in Eugene. Um, but that was the reality of it. Like, I don't think that if you were getting recruited by Oregon during that transition before Lanning was named the new head coach, you, you couldn't make any tangible decision with any confidence, I feel like, you know, because we saw how the staff pretty much completely got reset um, when, when Lanning came in, as you would expect. But I feel like that just points to the timing of all of this because Lanning and the staff were scrambling to revamp the, the 2022 class, right? Get those pieces back together. Um, they One of the first commitments that they lost, or earlier commitments, I should say, was 2022 quarterback Tanner Bailey from Gordo, Alabama. He ended up flipping his commitment to South Carolina. So Oregon couldn't get a prep quarterback or they didn't get a prep quarterback in 22 instead going with Bo Nix. So they do all that work in 2022, but all the meanwhile, a lot of these other schools are, uh, are already rocking and rolling in 2023, which is kind of what I uh, wanted to get at with my, uh, you know, analysis piece that I put in the chat there. Definitely. And going back to that time, uh, I would say from when Oregon had their first loss to Utah in the season, all the way really to the end of the season, uh, it was just a totally different energy around Oregon football. And I think anyone could see it. Uh, Micah Pittman leaving, you know, getting the the Ducks having the brakes beaten off him in Utah. And then again in the Pac-12 championship game, nothing really crazy coming out of the Alamo Bowl. It was uh, the Oregon Ducks really needed this revamp that coach Dan Lanning and his new staff gave. I thought it was really interesting during Dante Moore's uh, time on SportsCenter before he, or actually after he announced his commitment, he said just that he confirmed what you were saying, Max, that yes, Cristobal and Oregon were recruiting him before Cristobal went to Miami. And after Cristobal went to Miami, he was trying to bring him with him. So definitely kind of, I know we've talked, I, we talked a little bit last episode about how that goes with the new and the old coaching staffs, like, Definitely a confusing, um, but really, really great on Oregon's staff. Like you said, they were they were down a leg for the 2022 and 2023 classes when finding a quarterback with Tanner Bailey leaving. I think the Bo Nix pickup may not get enough credit when you look at Oregon not having a quarterback in the 2022 class and Dante Moore coming to the 2023 class uh, landing staff. They've been having a great recruiting class so far, and this is still the top of it. Yeah, I, I like your point about the, the Knicks edition. We're, we're still waiting to see how that all pans out on the field in 2022. But um, just as we stand right now recording this, uh, 
you know, early July here, it looks like he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. Um, but I, I mean, it, it definitely be exciting to see someone else get some good reps, um, which is another thing I talked about in that story, just kind of how, how Moore's commitment impacts the roster uh, upon his arrival for the 2023 season, given that the Ducks have three quarterbacks on the roster. But I think um, back back to your point about uh, what we were discussing with the timing of this and kind of the, the challenges that Oregon had to overcome in this recruitment. So I think Dante Moore really got on my radar. Like I always knew who he was as a recruit because he's been that high profile of a guy pretty much from the jump as a high school player. He, he started as a freshman uh, on, on the varsity team out there in Detroit at, at Martin Luther King high school. Um, but it, it never really had the, the buzz or the chatter that Oregon was a serious player for the longest time. It was Notre Dame. It was Michigan, particularly when Marcus Freeman took over for Brian Kelly in South Bend. I feel like it was all the time that, that Dante was making that trip, and understandably so, right? Michigan and Indiana, not so far apart geographically. But what was Oregon doing? They, they brought Dante onto campus in January for an unofficial visit, which is really big. But at the time of that visit, Graham, he wasn't the, the main priority at quarterback. It was Nico, Nico Iamiliava, who has since announced his commitment to Tennessee. Looks like he's pretty locked in with the Vols, but the Long Beach Poly quarterback was the priority for the Ducks at the time. And then, um, you know, things kind of took a turn on the trail for them there. And uh, he ended up going to the SEC. And then Jaden Rashada came into the picture as the, the big quarterback target for Oregon. And I think that makes sense that he kind of became the priority because Graham, he uh, he was out here in Eugene for a game in the fall. So the, the staff just kind of working with the pieces that they, you know, had, you know, the cards that they were dealt, if you will. Uh, but then Rashada ends up going to Miami because Cristobal had already had that relationship with him uh, developed when he was at Oregon. And then once Rashada was off the board, Sorry, I'm rambling a little bit here. I'm just, you know, there's so much to talk about here. Once Rashada was off the board, then the focus turned to Dante Moore and Avery Johnson, even Aiden Childs, who who kind of looks like, a, you know, a little bit uh, lower of a floor, uh, a much lower of a floor than some of these guys. No slight to him, but, you know, he looked like a little bit more of a project quarterback, maybe not someone who would make an instant impact. Um, there, He had a lot of interest in Oregon when I talked to, to Aiden. And he ended up going to Oregon State. And then Avery Johnson went to Kansas State just a few days ago. And then now Dante Moore really emerged as the the top target, especially after Rashada committed. Um, And then, you know, more of the the buzz around Avery Johnson went towards K-State from Kansas. And Oregon was all in on Dante. Yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly, Max. At the beginning of the year, at the top of the year, when Lanning got hired, Moore wasn't even the second option at quarterback. Like you said, it was Nico and Rashada. And one thing to know, first of all, I'm a Long Beach Poly grad, so go Jackrabbits one time. Um, But you saw stories of Nico and Jaden Rashada getting huge NIL deals right after they signed. Reportedly. Is that a reportedly? Reportedly. Sorry. Sorry. Reportedly. Um, Rashada has actually come out and disputed these claims, you know. but that's got to be pretty significant as to a reason why they didn't come to Oregon. And 
So you see the Ducks coaching staff, they kind of went up and down that list. You know, they had their top tier guys and Rashada. They had the lower tier guys. Um, of course, no slight just compared to the five star that is Dante Moore, Aiden Childs and um, Avery Johnson. So as, you know, these options started to fly off the board up and down the list, it really became clear that Moore was the only option. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I, I mean, Moore came out uh, when he was talking on SportsCenter and he said, you know, NIL wasn't a, a big part of my decision. But part of what he did say was, his, you know, played a, a big role in his decision was the relationships that he had built with, with Lanning and Dillingham. He, he admitted that he didn't know Lanning quite as well uh, when he was getting recruited by the Georgia Bulldogs while Lanning was still on that staff seeing that he was on the defensive side of the ball stands to reason they wouldn't have had a, a super strong relationship, but his relationship with Dillingham is going on three years at this point. So um, even though uh, Dillingham was, was at a, you know, a couple previous stops, obviously we're looking at Florida state Auburn in that regard. Um, he had that relationship and, and that kind of carried over to his time at Oregon, which ended up being a, a big plus for the ducks. And then what else we have here is, uh, the playmakers, the playmakers in Eugene. That, that That is what Dante had talked about as another big role in his decision. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I was also kind of trying to lay that out when I had been doing some writing in the spring about uh, kind of Oregon's case for a quarterback was they don't have a quarterback in this 2023 class at the time, but what were they loading up on? Skill talent, wide receivers, running backs, uh, Dante Dowdell being the other Dante in this class now, right? Uh, but Jurion Dickey, the, his, his stock has just continued to soar ever since he committed to Oregon. That one wasn't a, a shocker but when he committed, but he's just gone out and competed. Um, I saw him in Oakland when I was at that camp. He, he balled out at the uh, overtime seven-on-seven seven, uh, tournament in Las Vegas, and he's squarely in the mix now. Uh, people, you know, industry experts are saying as uh, a top wide receiver in this class. So I think for Oregon, they laid out their pitch to a degree by saying, look at all these elite weapons that we have to throw to. And not just in the 2023 recruiting class, Graham, on the roster already. That was the position that I think had just seen so, so much change on the recruiting trail during the Cristobal era because of him and obviously Brian McClendon. We're talking Troy Franklin. We're talking Dante Thornton, the whole Dante to Dante connection. That was uh, that was tweeted out actually uh, after Dante announced his commitment. Let me see if I can pull that up because I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but what I'm saying is that like that's another way that they made their uh, their pitch is just by like, look at the roster that we have. Look at all these guys that are just waiting to be unleashed and you could be the quarterback to help us get there. Um, so I thought that that was a, another really cool part of this uh, of this dynamic. Um, and then the all the running back talent that they have, you have the young tight ends with with Terrence and Maliki, um, really just looking to break out this year. Um, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into too much of the show. So, um, but back to you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. No worries at all, Max. Um, I definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from. The Ducks have some really serious talent on the uh in the wide receiver room and I really like your point saying that it's already there. Yes, Jerion Dickey is amazing, you know, same as Ashton Cozart. Um, you know, we've got great wide receiver the Ducks have got great wide receiver recruits coming in, but they have just as highly recruited guys already on the roster. 
So I think it is really just a matter of finding that right quarterback that is the key to unlocking that true talent outside. Um, one thing that I noticed a lot as well I, that I really appreciate from Oregon's coaching staff is how they've been focusing on these off-season or summer type of showcases and um, events that they have for high school players. Jurion Dickey has been a really, I mean, he's been soaring up uh, recruiting boards ever since uh, going to some of those showcases that you were at, Max. And after the Elite 11s uh, in Southern California this week, multiple recruits have come out and say that Dante Moore looks more like the number one quarterback in the nation in this recruiting class than just, you know, top five. And this is including uh, a set of quarterbacks at the Elite 11s competition that had Jaden Rashada and Malachi Nelson in it. And for Dante Moore to compete ahead of them, even in an 11 on 11 setting has to be encouraging for the Ducks coaching staff and Ducks fans. Yeah, he uh, he was named the SIL American Elite 11 MVP, which is definitely a, a big distinction for him. Um, I mean, albeit that the event didn't feature Arch Manning and Nico, but um, you know, that's not gonna not to take away from from what Dante has done because people have been raving about him his entire high school career. Um, and he had a, a phenomenal workout and performance each day. Uh, you know, going through the the rail shot, the the pro day workout, seven on seven, he continued to shine there. Um, we'll get into some more of his his game breakdown. Um, but it seems like we're really getting into the recruiting impact, which is what I love. So we're gonna stay on that. I found the uh, picture of da- of the Dantes. Um, so here it is. If you guys are watching on YouTube, uh, Dante Thornton, uh, wide receiver for the Ducks, there on the left. Dante Moore on the right. Um, I think just is just a, these Oregon photo shoots are going absolutely nuts. Um, they already were really really well put together uh, under the last staff, but. I feel like there's been a very tangible effort just to, to continue pushing the envelope there, to continue innovating. Um, we're seeing the the uh, artwork here um, just really, really utilized well. Um, we're seeing, I think Oregon was also one of those earlier schools that kind of utilized the, the lightsaber, if you want to call it. They're just basically like these massive glow sticks that kind of look like a lightsaber. Cody DeCambra was holding one and like, he was like doing the force choke in, in one of his, uh, one of his visit pictures, which was really cool. Uh, I'm just going to say this too. I feel like this is one of my favorite uniforms from last season. Um, Graham, I don't know about you. We can get your thoughts there. This was against uh, Arizona, I believe. I'd say these as well as the uh, whiteout Ohio State game uniforms, like those are tops for me from last season. I definitely agree with that. Um, Oregon, I mean, everyone knows about the jerseys. Uh a little bit the cookies and cream that we wore at UCLA is growing on me a little bit more. I wasn't the craziest, craziest about it at first, but I mean, just uh, the inner kid in me, the kid at heart uh, in me gets so excited anytime I see these photo shoots. I mean, they're so cool and uh, it must be so fun for the recruits to come through and get fitted up in the Jordans. You know, you see a lot of them reading Phil Knight's shoe dog book. You see them uh, with all types of Oregon swag. I personally really love this wall here. You can see the Oregon duck getting some licks in, getting some punches in on some, uh, on some PAC 12 mascots. I didn't know that was like, I feel like that shouldn't be allowed almost the way that the Oregon ducks getting at them. But no, the photo shoot game for Oregon, I want to say is almost unmatchable. Yeah, they, they definitely have one of the best setups in the country. A couple other ones that I really like, uh, A&M does it really well. 
uh, Texas. Notre Dame has literally a throne of gold bricks that they have the <laughs> their recruits sit in. Uh, so you know maybe as a, a counter move to to Oregon having their big throne with the huge cape, which is awesome. Um, Miami does shoots really well. I mean, I don't want to keep talking about Miami, but they do shoots really well. I like what I see there. Uh, Michigan State, Oklahoma, we can go on and on. Um, since we're talking about photos, I wanted to give a quick shout out to my guy, Dylan Rubin King. Um, he did a sweet edit uh, for this commitment. So I got that on the screen here. Um, definitely go go ahead and give him a follow at DRK Sports News. Dylan's uh, just been doing some incredible work with the graphics for us um, really for, for quite a while now. I mean, this has to be like almost his 10th, I want to say. He, he does some really cool work. Um, and I think in my, in my opinion, Graham, I don't know if you've seen some of the other ones, like this is probably my favorite one that he's done so far. Um, just in the, in the graphic design game. Yeah, I love it. I mean, with the rainy vibe, Dylan, he, he never misses no matter what he do. He never miss. Yeah. Dylan's a, Dylan's definitely the man. So have to give him some props there. Um, let's switch it up a little bit, Graham, and get into some eval, um, give me a second while I get my computer set up here just to talk about kind of get my setup right and make sure I got all my my screens cooperating with me. Very uh, a rare occurrence when everything is working how I actually want it to. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, got to give a shout out to everybody that's watching us live right now. Definitely got some some great interaction there um, in the comment section. So shout out to shout out to everyone in there. Let us know where you're watching the show from. Uh, this is definitely a, a big day for the Ducks, and um, we just want to – we just are here to break down every angle of it and, and keep you guys informed and, and latch on to, to that excitement. So that's big time. So let's get into this eval here a little bit, talk about what kind of a player the Ducks are getting in 2023 five-star quarterback Dante Moore. So got the highlights rolling here on YouTube. I think that's big. Shout out to Kevin. He says Redmond, Oregon is in the house. Uh, so yeah, let me know where you guys are uh, tuning into the show from today. So I think I'm going to be basing a lot of this eval. Uh, you know, we'll see stuff on, on the highlights here, obviously, that we can kind of uh, jump into. But I have an eval up on the site from Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher of Irish Breakdown. Um, he's definitely one of the, the smartest football minds that, that I've come across and, and he does a lot of really great work. I brought him on the show earlier this week to talk about, uh, just the, the context with Notre Dame's independence as, uh, Oregon awaits an answer from them with their, uh, potential invitation to the big 10. So all that to say, that's where this eval is coming from. And I just want to use that as kind of a jump jumping point here on the, the conversation. So I think. Uh, well, what Brian said is that the most underrated part of, of Moore's game is his arm strength. And I think that that's what you can see as something that's evident. And a lot of these highlights is just how kind of effortlessly he, he throws the ball. Definitely need to have a quarterback that, that can let the rock fly, throw that thing deep, because that's uh, obviously an aspect of the game that, that Oregon has been lacking in, in recent years. They just haven't had much of a downfield passing attack. Really, since I mean, even when Justin Herbert was here, he had he's had the biggest arm of any of the recent Oregon quarterbacks. It just really hasn't been there. Definitely. And when we talk about all of this, 
uh, with the arm strength. And obviously, uh, Dante Moore is that dual threat quarterback. It's hard not to see him as a really good build for the modern game of football. Um, when the way that Driscoll is describing him in his evaluations, the way that he sets his feet on the move, the way that he can throw from different angles, but the arm strength is always there. I mean, you got to hear um, similarities to guys like Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, those are the two two of the best to do it. But the way that he describes it, you know, that unique ability that the the throw doesn't change when you're on the run, when you're under pressure, that's everything. Yeah, and, and another part that stands out about Moore is, is just how quick his release is. Um, you don't want to have a quarterback that – that is, you know, standing out in the pocket and, and you know, trying to let trying like waiting too long for a play to develop. So obviously he has the mobility, but the ball gets out of his hands in a hurry, which is something you're going to need. Um, per, I mean, one thing you could talk about. I'm not trying to say Oregon's offensive line is going to be bad when when Dante gets to Oregon, but they are set to lose a majority of their offensive line from 2022. So maybe the offensive line isn't necessarily where where it has been at in recent years and Dante or whoever plays could find themselves um you know needing to improvise a little bit more needing to escape the pocket or they don't have as much time as they need to so Dante has really got it all because his mechanics they're just so consistent uh th throughout you know and any situation that you find yourself in he, he just makes a lot of these throws just really balanced I mean look at the window he just he just put that in um, and he, he can throw really well on the run, which is another great thing to see. Um, but another part of his game that is really cool that Brian talked about in his eval is that he's athletic and he's mobile, but he's not necessarily uh, a dual threat quarterback, um, which I think is, is probably how a lot of people might have viewed him when he first got onto Oregon's radar. I think that's a strong... Uh distinction right there correct correct me as well you know there's definitely a difference between a quarterback that is gonna turn up the field definitely go for the read options that is going to be prioritizing running the ball himself and there's a difference between a quarterback that is mobile that can just get out of those sticky situations and still be able to find the right pass instead of just putting your head down and running it yeah so knowing when to to do both of those is is super important and i think that if you have a guy that is athletic and that can improvise that can use his legs it just makes your offense that much more lethal that much more creative and i feel like just given the small sample size that we saw from the spring game that's definitely something that kenny dillingham is, is looking to do with this oregon offense moving forward so the fact that they have a guy that can kind of just do it all and uh can certainly use his legs when he needs to is an added bonus. Um, another aspect that is worth mentioning with Dante is just the frame that he has. Um, he, you know, he plays, I feel like he plays very compact and, and, you know, is smooth with his, with his delivery, but he's listed at six, two, six, two and a half, uh, around 210 pounds. So not necessarily the, the biggest quarterback that you'll find certainly, uh, not reminiscent of Justin Herbert, who stands, you know, towering six foot six, 230, 240 pounds, but he's not a small quarterback. So I don't like that's I don't say that to, to you know mention that it's going to be an issue. Um, but I think he, he's just going to continue to improve as, as he gets stronger, which is what Brian says in, in that evaluation as his upper body gets stronger, as his lower body gets stronger. 
Um, it'll just be another step that he can take in his evaluation evolution. Yeah, I was about to bring up his frame uh, as well, Max. You know, six two and a half is definitely a good size to play quarterback at, even if it might help to get a few more inches like Justin Herbert. But this kid is, I mean, I don't want to say kid, but this guy's still a teenager, you know? That six two and a half is a great place to start, I think, at the height and the way the build will come. One thing that Driscoll, he emphasized in his uh, evaluation is that it seems like the focus for more has been more on his game and his skills than being in the weight room, which is definitely a good way to go. If you're the Oregon coaching staff, you know you have one of the strongest strength and conditioning and uh, facilities centers in the nation. So it should be no problem getting more to the right size for college football and for the pros. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to, you know, they're not going to be lacking in, in that aspect whatsoever with, with any of their, any of their guys. Um, what I want to talk about with more too, that, that stood out to me from Brian's eval was his accuracy. And what was interesting to me is that uh, Brian said that Moore didn't earn an elite grade for his accuracy because of his completion percentage, which mind you is, is around 70% for his high school career, which is a phenomenal mark to, to be at. He earned it due to his impeccable understanding of where to put the ball and his placement of his ball placement as a thrower. This is where Moore's feel for the game makes him such a dangerous weapon. And I really like to see that in a quarterback. I mean, who, what receiver or tight end or running back doesn't want to be catching the ball right on the money. That, that's obviously going to be a, a huge plus for, for any offense. So that definitely speaks to his understanding and, and feel for the game. Um, that the vibe that I kind of get from, from, you know, looking into this evaluation and learning more about Dante is he's kind of a guy that, that plays beyond his years, um, that he is just such a mature player. Um, you saw that from, you know, listening to him on sports center when he announced his commitment as well, just a, a very respectable young man and, and someone who has a good head on his shoulders. So um, I'm not, I don't want to give the impression that he's a perfect player, um, but there's, there's just so many good building blocks for this Oregon staff to, to go to when they uh, are looking to deploy him ultimately in their offense once he, once he gets here in 2023. Definitely. Um, I think that the foundation is solid. It's super solid for more. Um, one note that is something great that he does is he's, um, that scouts have said from his Elite 11 performances is that he's really good at throwing it in the middle of the field on those deep passes. I definitely think sometimes the deep threats quarterback sometimes they just stay hugging those sidelines um so I thought that was a nice note for more being able to hit those post routes down the middle you know that turns a big gain into a big gain and a touchdown sometimes and that can be the difference so you know uh circling back to what you said Max he's got so many good uh qualities already and he's got so much time and potential to build on it definitely he's, we're not saying he's perfect but man does he look good yeah, he, he's definitely a, a really strong prospect. And, uh, man, he, he could he's becoming the instant headliner for Oregon here in uh, their 2023 recruiting class. Talking with Graham Metzger, Ducks Digest reporter. Uh, I'm Max Torres here on the Ducks Dish podcast. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break for those of you guys that are listening on uh, audio, on podcast. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking a lot more about Oregon football and Dante Moore's commitment to the Ducks. You're listening to the Ducks Dish Podcast. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Ducks-ish podcast. It is a big day in the Oregon football world and Oregon football recruiting. We got plenty to talk about as we're still breaking down the commitment of Dante Moore to Oregon. Um, We just got into a little bit of the evaluation aspect of things, so... If you guys uh, want to look at the the film as well, definitely make sure you tune in to the video version on my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. You guys are here live. Do us a favor. Smash that like button. Smash the subscribe button. And uh, while you're at it, turn on notifications to make sure you don't miss out on any of our future live shows here. Love having you guys here in the live show and uh, just having a great day, having some fun breaking down duck football as we always do. Graham, there's a bigger point in the Dante Moore recruitment that I want to kind of zero in on here, a a bigger point about what this means for the Ducks and really this new Dillingham, sorry, this new Dan Lanning staff featuring Kenny Dillingham. Um, Then what I was wanted to get at at here is Dillingham is such a young coach and he doesn't have a tremendous body of work to turn to. And I, I said that not as a slight, but just as that's a fact of the matter. He's a really young coach. And I think when recruiting guys, particularly the quarterback position, those guys want to be able to have someone that they can turn to that has a wealth of experience, that is a proven developer of talent, that um, kind of has someone that they can point to, hopefully in the NFL, and say, hey, look what I did with him. I'm going to do that with you here at this school. The proof is in the pudding. Dillingham doesn't really have that right now. I mean, he's worked with Bo Nix and uh, Jordan Travis at uh, Forest State. I think that's the right name. Um, and those guys are great players and everything, but I just feel like that kind of could have been an obstacle for for him to overcome. Um, and I feel like the fact that they were able to get Dante in the fold just speaks to his ability as a recruiter, as a relationship builder, 
uh, as an offensive mind. And just there's so many positives that I'm sure were laid out here for, for what Dante can ultimately accomplish while he's at Oregon. You know what, Max? Uh, first of all, Dillingham really has been the head of this recruitment. Obviously, he is the um, focused on quarterbacks, but with his constant tweets, you know, he's been really up on the wordplay. He's been trying to get uh, more, you know, he posted like a, a Charmin picture this morning, which I think is to say less is more. I think that's the uh, decryption on that one. But uh, all of this is to say that, you know, you're right, Max. Dillingham is a young coach. He doesn't have that experience. But I actually see that as a pro right now for when Dillingham is going and getting these young guys. He, I think, has a really strong sense of how to communicate well with the young recruits. He knows what they're looking for. Um, I went back, and on the very day that Coach Dillingham was hired for Oregon, Dante Moore retweeted that on the uh, from the Oregon football page. So, you know, even if he doesn't have that relationship with um, someone that's made it to the NFL yet, I think that Dillingham has a really strong relationship with the young quarterbacks that are developing and soon entering the college football world. Um, so, yeah, I think that Dillingham's youth here is actually might be a bonus. No doubt about it. And I mean, I just want to reiterate that I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want that to come off as a negative. Um, obviously we know how, how much youth aids in recruitment and developing those relationships and being able to relate to guys just on their day to day. Um, I, I just thought it was a unique challenge that recruiting a quarterback when they did, how they did, um, really presented. So um, I've, I'm really excited to see what Kenny Dillingham can do. I'm confident that he'll be able to turn this offense around. Not that it was a bad offense last year. It was just so limited, really didn't feel like it reached its potential. Um, and there's so many so many weapons that, that are uh, just you know ready to be used. Um, let's see here. Um, I think another place we could go with this one is just what it means for Oregon in the bigger picture. Um, I feel like a lot of people are asking kind of what's next on the recruiting trail, right? Um, now that Oregon has their quarterback in the fold for 2023, I think it inspires a new level of confidence, uh, definitely in the vision that Lanning has for the program. Um, and I think that there are some other guys that are set to announce their commitments in, in the in the upcoming months, uh, whether it be this month or in August, because a lot of these guys, Graham, now what they're thinking is, you know, I want to get this decision over with. I've taken so many visits. Um, I mean, Miles McVeigh was even telling me, you know, I'm in the end game right now with my recruitment. When I talked to him after his official visit to Oregon, he's announcing on August 11th. Um, so he's one of those guys that the Ducks would love to get into the fold. But um We've seen recent explosions on the recruiting trail from a couple teams after landing quarterbacks. Arch Manning is definitely the most notable one over at Texas. Is Oregon going to have a recruiting boom like that? I'm not sure necessarily. Um, but at the same time, there's no reason to say that they can't or that they won't now that they have Dante in, in the fold here as the new headliner of their 2023 class. We saw Miami do it as well after Rashada committed. Um, so there's a there's definitely a lot of reason to be confident that uh, this is really just the beginning for what could be an incredible run. 
I totally agree, Max. I think that it's hard to say how much his commitment affects the really su- the really close uh, commitments that are up next with Richard Young, Jaden Wayne, Miles McVeigh, as you were saying. Um, it's tough to say how much that affects it, but it doesn't hurt. That's one thing for sure. It doesn't hurt that more came and joined the Ducks. Um, I think that we might see this impact, maybe not this recruiting class, but in future recruiting classes, we will see um, that Oregon, you know, they, they stake their claim. One thing that we were talking about earlier, Max, is Oregon's kind of entrance into the Midwest. There's so much talent out there, and Oregon has been really good at spreading out across the nation, you know, in California, Arizona, in the South a bit. But the Midwest, I think, is the next one that they have to check off, and this is the start of that. Yeah, there's a because a lot of those guys in the, in the Midwest they they tend to you know stay closer to home to to play in the Big Ten, um, which is another thing they can talk about because Dante did talk about kind of some of his thoughts on uh, conference realignment with that being the big bombshell news that dropped just over a week ago. I mean, if you were to tell me that it, it was a month ago, I'd believe you because that's just kind of the the distortion of of time that, that this huge story has has created, but. I think if I'm Oregon, that's a big sigh of relief uh, that you have Dante in the in the fold now because that could well end up being your most important commit in this entire class. Um, I'm not saying that right now, but it could be. We know how important the quarterback position is. Uh, got some other needs, uh, definitely cornerback, uh, which they've done a really good job addressing so far. Offensive line, we can talk some more about that, but. Just the fact that they have him in the fold now, um, it just paves the way for more commitments this summer, and then you're going to hopefully be in a really good spot by the time the season rolls around. Um, there is one specific guy that we got asked about, so I want to try to start to get some of these questions and comments. Maybe Breezy says, how much of a shot do we realistically have of stealing Young from Bama's paws now that we got more locked in? Um, I mean, it's it's realistic for sure. Just, just look at what we're seeing on the surface, right? Uh, Dante and Richard Young both visited Oregon uh, at the same time uh, when they made it out to Eugene in June. Richard Young took his official, uh, but Dante was there on his unofficial. They were they were taking those pictures on their photo shoots, uh, and Dante was handing the ball off to Richard Young. So now that he's in the fold, I feel like that message of, hey, this could be the reality of if you come to Oregon. That's just got to be that's got to hit home that much stronger now. Um, I think just to talk about Alabama, I mean, for, for people who missed it, Richard Young announced the top three of Oregon, Alabama, and Georgia this week. Still no timetable for a decision, no official commitment date, but uh, stands to reason now that he's had his official trips uh, knocked out uh, and these final three schools are, are the ones that are really coming into focus that, that a commitment com- could be coming pretty shortly uh, for Richard Young. I think with with me, kind of what I was the way I was looking at this recruitment, Graham, for Richard Young is he really looked like Bama's guy, right? Which I think is why Breezy is asking the question the way he is that you know he was the guy that Bama wanted in this 2023 recruiting class, and then maybe a month or so ago, I want to say Cedric Baxter came out, big another big time Florida running back in this 2023 class, and and he was very vocal about his uh, interest in the Tide and Nick Saban's program. Um, and he's saying, you know, now they're going to be considered in, in one of my top schools. 
But then, more recently, Baxter announced a top four, I believe it was, and Bama didn't make the cut, which would support this statement that Richard Young is really, um, you know, kind of coming into focus for the Tide in 2023. But uh, they got the last visit. You know, landing Dante is is huge. Uh, and obviously, we've also seen the the post on social media about Thunder and Lightning, right? That that uh, that powerful duo in the 2023 backfield uh, that featured that now features Dante Dowdell, the Mississippi running back, and Richard Young. So, I mean, this one's far from a done deal, I would say. Um, when you're going up against the likes of the the Alabamas and the Georgias, uh, but you got to feel like you're in a really good spot after, after landing more and having that most recent visit. Yeah. Oregon is in a better spot now that they have more on, uh, on the squad, on the commitment list, but it's one thing for Oregon to compete with Alabama, Georgia, these big schools, um, for, for any recruit, you know, it happens a lot that these schools get in the same recruiting battles, uh, for the same players, but, the way you said it, Max, with how Richard Young looks to be the guy that Saban and that Alabama uh, crew are circling on, it, it seems like it's going to be hard for sure. That might be um, an accomplishment that the Oregon recruiting staff, the coaching staff, has not gotten yet. Um, it'll, be, it'll be tough to say. One thing that I think is an interesting note to follow is how these recruits talk to each other. Um, in between their announcements and commitments. Dante Moore said in his uh, talk with SportsCenter right after he committed that he was talking with Malachi Nelson at the Elite 11s. They were together when they found out about USC and UCLA leaving to the Big 12. And so Moore was able to ask him a little bit, you know, what's it, what, what is that like? They were able to have that um, interaction together. So it makes me think that Dante Moore and Richard Young are interacting together, you know, maybe more is getting out the word. It's hard to say, but I think that is a note that people may forget about. And with all the thunder and lightning talk, you know, the Dante to Dante talk with Dowdell, you know, it seems like the recruits talk and help each other along the way. It absolutely does help. Recruits talk to each other. Elite talent wants to play with elite talent. Um, you know, they really kind of attract to each other. Got another comment here from Donna. Lanning and his Avengers are building a massive 23 recruiting class, Oregon rising uh, to big so Ducks can continue the USC beatdown. Um, when I first read that, I don't know why I read it a little bit differently. Like it was a, a comment about conference realignment and, and the Big Ten. But to your point, Graham, it, it, he was asked just kind of how he reacted to that news of, of realignment and you know, he was saying, you know, Oregon goes to the Big Ten. They don't go to the Big Ten. You're going to find competition anywhere. And I think to Oregon's credit, just as an athletic department, uh, even though they've been playing in the Pac-12, which has obviously lost a tremendous amount of respect nationally, they still go out of their way to schedule those big-time games. They have Georgia on the schedule this year. They have BYU. Um, they obviously beat Ohio State last year. They had scheduled a game with Texas A&M, uh, I believe, um, but I can't remember the year, but I think AM backed out of it. Just correct me if I'm wrong. Someone might have to fact check me on that one. Um, but then they also have Baylor uh, on their schedule coming up in the future. So even though there is this, this uh, limbo of conference realignment, Oregon is able to sell the fact that 
they're playing in big time games, no matter what conference they're playing in, because they are going to be utilizing that non-conference schedule and not scheduling a bunch of cupcakes. Um, I mean, Eastern Washington, you could make the argument that they're not one of the stronger teams nationally, but I feel like they're pretty competitive. I mean, look at the last time that they played Oregon um, when, when Vernon Adams was here, Cooper cup torched the ducks. Uh, and that was definitely not an easy win for them. So I think amid this conference realignment, Dante Moore's commitment to Oregon, really, in my opinion, it might be too soon to say, but I think if I'm looking at this optically, it's it's sending the message that Oregon recruiting isn't going anywhere, even as they might be looking for their new home uh, amid all this drama. I completely agree with you, Max. Um, I think that Oregon, no matter where they go, it's still Oregon. Schools still want to play them. And to your point about Eastern Washington, Oregon, for sure, does schedule the big games. Obviously, Georgia, the national championship to start the year. The season doesn't get bigger than that. Um, But I also think that Oregon is really good at picking strong, lower-level talent, if if that oxymoron kind of makes sense. You were talking about how Eastern Washington gave a really good fight um, back when Vernon Adams was the QB for Oregon. I would say this past season, Fresno State gave a really good fight against Oregon in that opener at least more than the Ducks might be expecting. Jake Hayner showed that he's one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. So I guess just a little note, I, I do agree with you that the Oregon recruiting is not going anywhere. This is just proof of that. And I also think that the Oregon big games and the Oregon strength of schedule will still be there. Yeah, I don't think that's that's going anywhere. Um, I've talked about it a couple times, but just because it's still relevant, you know, I, I'm I'm of the belief that Oregon should head to the Big Ten if they can. Uh, staying in the Pac-12 just shouldn't be an option uh, for them right now just because of the progress that they've made, how they've grown as a, as a program. Um, but maybe this Pac-12, Big 12 merger ends up being something that could work out for them. Uh, I've talked about how you can't really afford to you know, wait around and you can't afford to wait for the Big 10 because if the Big 10 doesn't come calling, then you could find yourself in a really tough spot. Uh, got some more questions that we want to get to. Uh, Gerard asks with more arriving in 2023, do you think that if Nix is named the starter for 2022, that Thompson will transfer out before the 2022 season starts? If so, do you believe Butterfield is number, do you believe in Butterfield as number two in 2022? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said it before. I don't, I don't like to speculate on, on transfers. Um, you know, that that's their decision. Um, and I feel like speculating on transfers can, can kind of cast a bad light on, on people. Um, but I mean, just with the timing for this, I, I don't think if any quarterback were to transfer, I feel like I don't see it happening before the 2022 season. Um, because even if Bonex looks like he's probably going to be the starter right now, um, I don't think that it just depending on what happens in that Georgia game, um, we could still see this QB battle bleed over into the season, you know, maybe Bo starts in, in the Georgia game. And, and then um, we see Ty the, the next week or butters. Um, I think regardless of who wins the quarterback job, I just think that Oregon needs to put games away earlier so that they can get someone other than the starter, really valuable reps. Uh, because I, I also said in that story that ideally if Bo is named the starter, he plays the 2022 season, then he heads off to the NFL to make his case there. And then Oregon can get back to a little bit more of the traditional route of, of using some of these guys 
that they have recruited out of high school and giving them the keys to the offense rather than kind of turning to the transfer portal as they kind of have been trending to do. That's a trending pattern for them in recent years. But even though that kind of has a negative connotation, I do want to be clear in saying that I think it was the right move to add a transfer quarterback for this staff uh, that when they came in because they didn't have any proven production in that room. I totally agree, Max. Uh, I was I was saying a little bit earlier in the episode. I think if Oregon doesn't add Bo Nix, they totally jeopardize or at least lose some of that um, talent and kind of hype that they're building up into this season. You know, I think that I, I definitely think that both Ty and Jay are super solid quarterbacks. I think they could both get it done. You know, they were both four star quarterbacks coming out um, of high school and there's no reason that they shouldn't still have that talent. They've still been practicing, still getting the reps. So they should be ready to step in at any moment. Um, It also reminds me a little bit of the conversations we had back uh, last season when Micah Pittman transferred. It's just part of the game when you want to be as good at recruiting as Oregon is and is trying to be. There's going to be high profile talent, like four or five star recruits, that are sitting on the bench when you have a good recruiting class, when you have a good recruiting team. So obviously you don't want it to happen. Um, If Ty does end up transferring, then it's just part of the new college football world. Um, It doesn't mean that there's any hatred, any bad feelings. It's just kind of what happens more regularly, I think, in uh, the college football um, landscape that that we're at. Uh, answering like the last part of this question, if Jay Betterfield could be a good number two, definitely, definitely he could be. Um, I think even if you gave him a shot, you would be surprised by Jay Butterfield. Like I said, this guy's a four-star QB not long ago. Um, and that's really true of so many positions uh, on Oregon's football team. Yeah, I mean, and, and I just want to reiterate that, you know, Ty hasn't given any indication that that's where his head's at. Every time he's been asked about it, he's been very vocal on social media, just about saying he's locked in and focused on the season. So don't want to make more of this question than it is. And I don't want to give any speculation that I think any transfers are going to happen, but it is a realistic thing in college football. So, um, you know, definitely worthy of uh, some discussion there. And, And yeah, I think for my answer on the second part of the question, I feel like Butters was the quarterback that I was the most confident in, uh, in the spring game, I think Bo obviously showed why he's a veteran quarterback and showed that he is a veteran quarterback and he's, you know, pretty experienced, but we did see some of the decision-making errors, um, that he has also kind of, uh, become known for at times for as high level of a playmaker that he is, you know, sometimes he, uh, holds onto the ball too long, or sometimes, you know, he'll try to force it in there, which is kind of what happened with that interception, but I'm really confident in what Jay Butterfield brings to the table. Uh, you know, if he were to see some playing time th- this upcoming year. Um, Definitely. So. And before we move on from the topic, I would like to say that Thompson and Butterfield deserve a huge amount of respect for just being put in the positions that they were as freshmen, as really young guys. You know, a lot of people were calling for Anthony Brown to be benched last year. You could hear people yelling miles away from Austin Stadium to take him out the game last year. That's how bad it got at a certain point. Um but I think as well, Anthony Brown and Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield all really showed their exemplary professionals. Um, they really showed that they can 
that the football is the most important, that winning is the most important. So a huge amount of respect uh, to those guys before we move on. Yeah, no, definitely. No doubt about it. Um, Steve says the path to prominence begins in September in Georgia. Go Ducks. Yeah, I mean, the Ducks are definitely a prominent program now, but but they're looking to take that next step and, uh, you know, show that they deserve, uh, you know, a, a spot at the table with, with the big boys in, in college football. Um, and then we have another one from Noel who says, what a scary backfield with Dante Young and Dowdell. We'll, we'll see if the Ducks can pull off, uh, you know, the big one and, and land uh, uh, Richard Young, the Florida back who was recently on campus. We'll, we'll have to keep digging into to that one. Uh, this was an interesting one with a recruiting angle from Andrew. Andrew says, now that I think about it, I'm amazed that the defensive recruiting hasn't been exploding, but the offense has. Here's hoping the big trench monsters are upcoming. I mean, they, they have been doing well, you know, in defensive recruiting. You're looking at some of the, the recent commits uh, for Oregon in the 2023 class, and you see uh, guys like cor- cornerback Caleb Presley, who committed uh, just three days ago on the 5th out of Rainier Beach in Seattle. We covered the heck out of that commitment. Uh, got the exclusive interview too on why the Ducks were the call. So head on over to Ducks Digest and read that one if you guys haven't had a chance to. Uh, and then Cody DeCambra back in May, Tyler Turner in, in late June. Um, and then Colin Gill, like I mentioned, Tatum Tuioti, uh, the edge rusher. So I feel like, I mean, I feel like I kind of disagree with this with this comment just because we're, we're seeing how they are kind of exploding on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but it's just coming together as a really well-rounded class, I think. And then to, to talk about, you know, the, the big trench monsters upcoming, um, there's there's definitely some guys on offense that we can talk about, but because this was more geared towards uh, the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about some of these big targets that, uh, that the Ducks have on their board still in 23. Uh, Graham, you talked to one of them recently, but just to run through some of the names, you got um, Mateo Uyunglele, uh, at big-time defensive lineman out of St. John Bosco in Bellflower, California kind of feels to me like Ohio state is in the lead right now. Uh, you know, Mateo isn't super talkative and, and kind of only talks to a handful of reporters uh, about his recruitment, but that guy's not in a rush uh, by any means. Um, he was out here for uh, a visit that big, uh, that big recruiting weekend and uh, June 24th. Um, and then you have other schools like Alabama, USC, uh, who else do they have? Um, I feel like it's Oregon, USC, Is Clemson, okay, Clemson, Clemson maybe still Clemson. in on it? How did I totally brain fart that? Yeah, Clemson, thank you. Those guys are all still in the mix. Uh, you have Jane Wayne, who is announcing his commitment tomorrow, July 9th, off of a recent transfer to IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Really feels like Miami is the school to beat there, but you never know until it's over. Um who else do they have? You got David Hicks, the big time Texas defensive lineman, number one defensive lineman in the country. Uh, and then another guy that we have to talk about is Terrence Green, uh, another Texas defensive lineman. And and that was someone that you talked to recently, Graham, after he was here for his visit and uh, placed Oregon in his top five schools. Yeah. In talking to Terrence Green, it was great to talk to him, first of all. Um, in talking to him, one thing that he really prioritized that I've noticed with a few recruits um, is that he really loves the family and the people here at Oregon. Uh, they definitely have that feel. And he and Green emphasized to me that they care more than just about football. They're, like He felt that the Oregon staff is one that would be there for him 
when he needs someone to talk to, when he's going, when he's having struggles outside of the field. Um, so Oregon having a coaching staff that is really personable, can come and talk to the family, can come and make you feel right at home is huge as far as getting uh, the next recruits. And um, to come back to Andrew's question, I really feel like the Ducks have been strong and selective in the way that they've recruited this class in that that they're f- filling in the positions that maybe need a little bit more work. And already on the roster right now in the trenches, you've got Noah Sewell, you've got Justin Flo, you've got Brandon Dorless, and at least Sewell and Dorless are looking to be day one guys in the NFL draft. So you add that veteran talent in the trenches as well, you know, on the offensive side, all of the offensive linemen coming back. And then you see these skill players, the cornerback safeties, wide receivers on the outside, top it off with Dante Moore. I think the Ducks have been killing it in not going for every single player, but going for the players they need. Yeah, that's a that's a great call, Grant, because Graham, sorry, not Grant, Graham, um, because some programs you see coaches come in and um, and um, they, they, they come in and they kind of just take guys just to take guys just to get bodies, just to fill up on numbers. But that's not something you can do for Oregon, especially with where they're at right now. Um, you know, this is a really pivotal, important class. Uh, and you want to be addressing those needs and making sure that they're the right guys, right fit for for your team. Um, so I would definitely agree with that sentiment, just about kind of how Oregon is approaching it. Um, right now, they're they're ranked number 17 overall in the 2023 recruiting class rankings by 247. Uh, that's the ranking system that I like to use the most. I think on three has them right outside the top 10, like a, a 12, I think. Uh, haven't seen where Rivals has them just yet, but um, you know they're they're definitely making their way up the rankings. As far as Terrence Green, who we were just talking about, uh, big time trench talent for uh, you know the the Ducks that they're targeting on the recruiting trail is working from a top five of Florida, Texas, Oregon, Michigan State, and Miami. Um, Oregon did get the most recent of the official visit there. Um, but for me, I, I feel like the Ducks lead in this recruitment right now. I don't want to say that they're super far out in front. Anytime you have Texas uh, among the final schools for a guy who's from the Lone Star State, especially with how hot they're on the recruiting trail, I think that's really big. Uh, I also feel like um, the, the staff that um, Miami has established uh, along the defensive line is super, super big. Um, Jason Taylor uh, you know, a former hurricane and uh, an NFL legend. Um, I feel like he is someone that is is definitely going to make this recruitment interesting. And then obviously Joe Salavea comes over from Oregon as well. And then Mel Tucker at Michigan State, He he's, they haven't been landing necessarily a, a ton of like crazy talent. I'm not saying that they haven't made good additions. I think they actually just got somebody yesterday, two days ago, uh, that was maybe a, an edge player. Um, but the caliber of the recruits that Michigan State is hosting is increasing significantly under Mel Tucker in the past year. Um, you, you saw Green go out for a visit, Jaden Wayne, David Hicks. So it, we're just seeing a lot of crossover here with, with uh, you know, the guys that uh, Oregon's recruiting with these other schools. And Max, that's how it should be. Uh, it's kind of like how we were saying before, Oregon, they need to be in these, um, they need to be competing with these big schools every time, I think. You know, I was saying this class, that Oregon has been specific, and that's still key 
but in the in the next recruiting classes, it's uh, not going to be surprised when Oregon is here again. You know, competing with the Texases, Miamis, the USC's, all the big dogs. Yes, sir. All right, we got a. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, Ryan's here. Ryan, Sports Chat five hundred three. I don't know if he's still here. This comment was a bit ago, but uh, shout out to Ryan. Uh, we've definitely done a lot of uh, a lot of collabs and, and love talking ducks with Ryan. So, got to give a shout out to him. Uh, Andrew's taking notice as well as uh, some other folks saying what's up to to Ryan. Uh, we got some some cheersing in the chat, uh, celebrating over. Uh, the commitment shout out Gerard making sure we come correct program um let's see what else we got here um Steve says the overhauled coaching staff should be able to sustain a hunger that lasts all season this is a new era and a chance to open the transfer and commitment doors wide open uh so I'm assuming he's talking about just utilizing the transfer portal uh as well as you know the traditional recruiting trail um, you know, in, in a really interesting way. Um, I do like a lot of the additions that Oregon made through the portal this uh, off season. I think that's a really effective tool for programs to use, for teams to use to address their weaknesses. Uh, you get experience, proven college talent, rather than having to, to wait on or bank on high school talent that hasn't played at the college level before. But uh, that is exactly what it feels like. You know, there, there hasn't been a drop off in recruiting under Dan Lanning and that's expected. I feel like he was a proven recruiter. Look at all the guys he's surrounded himself with that can recruit at a high level. Demetrius Martin, I think he's actually the top Pac-12 recruiter right now in the 247 sports rankings with all the guys that he's been involved in bringing to Eugene, getting those commitments. Uh and then you have Adrian Clem who was I believe a former Pac-12 recruiter of the year for 247 as well. Tosh Lapoy can't forget about him. He's a heavy hitter. Kenny Dillingham now. Carlos Lachlan. Carlos Lachlan's proven himself as an elite recruiter, but he doesn't want to be called an elite recruiter. He is an elite relationship builder. By the way, just brought him on the Ducks Dish podcast yesterday. So if you want to hear about the latest from Coach Lock, uh, really, really enjoyed talking to him and uh, getting to tell some of his story. But to this to this comment, Graham, I mean, it's, it's really just feels like the start for Oregon and and, um, you know, it's, it's all part of the bigger picture. You're building, you're building, you're building. And, uh, you have all those guys out to campus for, uh, unofficials and officials in the spring and, and in early summer. And now it's time to reap the rewards. You said it, Max. Um, I really like the way that Steve looks at it right here. And I hope that the coaches at Oregon are looking at it right here. I think you can actually expand this question onto an even bigger scale. Um, a lot of Ducks fans. A lot of people are nervous, apprehensive about where the Ducks are going to land in their new conference with all the conference realignment. I think that the Ducks new staff is just hungry to show that they're worthy of being in the top conferences. And I think that that's the way that the Oregon staff is looking at it, Um, not only just for recruiting, not only for conference realignment, but just for playing football. I think they're so excited to get out there and show that the, the Oregon Ducks are legit this year. Yeah, they're they're got a lot of solid pieces in place. Um, gonna see if we can take a couple more of these. We still got a lot of folks in here, so don't wanna don't wanna cut the the show short. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, just to follow up on uh, Terrence Green. Um, appreciate uh, Breezy keeping us honest here. Green announces his college commitment on July thirtieth. 
This was just 46 minutes ago. So this uh, came out while we were live on the show. So appreciate you keeping us in the loop there. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I'm not going out and predicting that he's going to end up at Oregon necessarily. I, I want to talk to some more sources there, but uh, you know, every time I've talked to Green and then Graham obviously talked to him, it looks like, uh, you know, all signs are pointing in a good direction for Oregon as far as being major contenders here. Um, yeah, so Jaden Wayne announces tomorrow. I'm feeling Miami there. Um, you know, I'm not counting Oregon out, but I just feel like all the relationships that he developed while he was at Oregon have translated over to Florida. He's been to Miami a bunch of times. He's going to be finishing his high school career there. Kind of feels like the writing's on the wall, but ain't over till it's over. Uh, and then we got Mateo, um, who I think right now is probably feeling Ohio State more than some of the other schools. But um, Oregon's in a great spot for for David DJ Hicks, as well as Terrence Green along the defensive line. So, uh, you know, could see some some additions there. Let's see what else we got uh, in the live chat here. If you see one, Graham, too, feel free to call it out. It doesn't always have to be. Uh, doesn't always have to be, you know, what uh what I'm going for because we got got some folks in here. But uh, Gerard's showing some love for for yesterday's podcast with uh, Coach Locke. Um, yeah, just a, a really interesting story. I mean, he's he said during the interview, you know, I'm not special, I'm not different from any other coach. Um, but I mean, just listening to the guy talk, you you know, he's special. Um, and I think he's going to take that Oregon running back room to a different letter, different level. Um, Let's see. Um, oh, D-Rock Irish coming from Notre Dame country says, congrats, Duck Nation. Uh, definitely um, interesting to see that uh, obviously Oregon landed Dante Moore after he was very closely linked to to Notre Dame. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how Notre Dame uh, approaches the recruitment of a quarterback in 2023. Uh Hoshi's saying that uh, he's real excited um, about this uh, this commitment. So it um, it feels like it's definitely uh, tangible, even just here on, on our show. Um, this is a good question or comment from Steve. Steve says, Eugene is a small town compared to most major universities, but when it comes to being multidimensional in other sports, Oregon is major league. Yeah, I think this is kind of what I was saying in terms of, uh, you know, some of the shows that we've done this week about conference realignment, what makes Oregon so attractive. We know that money is driving it. We know that the TV media market that you're in is a huge part. And I think that, uh, you know, Oregon, Oregon plays above their TV market, you know, bigger than the, the Eugene market, bigger than the Portland market, but there's not a whole lot they can do about that, right? You can only, in this situation, especially, you can only control what you can control. But that's part of what makes Oregon so appealing in this conference limbo is that they're not bottom tier in any sport. Like they're going to be able to field, I think, a respectable team in, in whatever sport you, you want to talk about. Um, so I feel like that's that's definitely spot on from Steve there. Yeah. Steve, right again. Um, it, we, we've said it before in past episodes, and I definitely think it's not something that's brought up enough when we're talking about all this conference realignment. There are a few schools in the nation that have as much multi-sport success as Oregon. Um, maybe the one that comes to my head as far as all covering all the sports is maybe UCLA. They do a lot of good stuff in some of the smaller sports, 
maybe not as much football, but um, I think that that will have definitely good consequences uh, to bear for Oregon. And there is going to be a lot more to prove, I think, uh, this year for all of the Oregon sports. I think for Dana Altman, if we bring it to the basketball court, um, another season without an NCAA tournament is not acceptable. Uh, I, I definitely think Altman, I'm sure he's the most mad out of anybody about that. But the Ducks, it's going to be a showcase year for them to, you know, we don't know the timeline. We don't know if the Big 12 is accepting new uh, teams. I agree with you, Max, there, that that should be Oregon's first spot to go. Um, Big 12 or Big 10? Sorry, sorry, the Big 10, the Big 10. Sorry, Too many bigs. Too many bigs, and none of the bigs have the numbers right anymore. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. We're all losing our minds over it, but it's a it's a showcase year for Oregon, and I think they got something to show. Yeah, I mean, just to talk about basketball for a little bit, it's a it's a weird spot for Oregon and and Dana Altman right now. Um, I was uh, I was out of town on, on vacation for a little bit last month, and the big story that broke when I was gone because you know, of course, the big news is going to break when when I'm gone. Uh, is Dior Johnson 2022 Oregon basketball signee? He put the pen to paper, but uh, ended up switching things up, changing his mind, and headed to the ACC to play for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Um, I mean, I, I personally don't know anything about Pitt basketball, but I don't feel like they're in the conversation as one of those big powerhouse schools. So, you know, um, he's got to do what's best for him, but that was a little bit of a head scratcher. And then more recently, Graham uh, Mookie Cook, uh, a Portland native, uh, now playing his high school basketball in Arizona at Compass Prep. He committed to Oregon a couple months ago, and uh, now he's back on the market, backing off his pledge to Oregon and a uh, big blow to the Oregon 2023 class. I I, uh, I totally agree. You know, uh, we talked a bit basketball a couple months ago, and back then I said, you know, I ain't going to believe Dior's coming to Oregon until I see him in the Ducks uniform. You did say and- that. And sure enough, he didn't come. And, you know, whether that decision uh, is because of who returned to Oregon, uh, whether it's for something else where we won't know. Mookie Cook is also a huge recruit. You know, he I thought that he um, committed to Oregon a bit early in the process. So his his uh, decommitment also not the most surprising. He's a top recruit. And now he's looking at Kentucky. He's looking at the G League. Um it's, it's really tough to hold on to those top recruits, especially in basketball where, you know, one senior coming back and that's your r- lineup spot right there. That's your minutes gone. Um, so definitely a bit of hardship there for the Oregon Ducks uh, basketball team, but they still hold held on to Kellel Ware, who I think will be the gem of this uh, recruiting class. There you have him uh, on campus uh, getting getting some shots up, getting warm with the, with the Ducks. I think he's going to be amazing. I think um, he will be a top 10 NBA draft pick if everything goes good for him this year. You know, one good year at Oregon is uh, ideal for Kalel in Kalel Ware's uh, mind. I think that he is going to make Oregon fans forget Dior real quick. Will Richardson still coming back. I know he had a tough end to the season, but he's still the Ducks leading scorer last season. He's still a great talent. And I think that the Oregon Ducks basketball team is still in very good shape. Yeah, they're they're still in great shape, no doubt about it. I actually saw Kalel uh, like a week or so ago. I was driving back from getting my morning coffee at Dutch Bros in 
and he was on a, a scooter, which like those are so popular. Like I kind of just want to get like a personal one. That'd be pretty sweet or a boosted board. Uh, if you, you guys go. haven't seen boosted boards, literally an electronic skateboard that you can control like the speed of with a little remote. So uh, that's on my wish list for Christmas. But yeah, Kalel Ware is definitely a massive addition. Really key to have him here in the summer uh, to continue um, Dish's evolution and then getting settled in with the Ducks. This was another comment that got brought up earlier, but Richard Young, uh, this is, you know, we always want to follow any little detail or development that we can find. And this is his Instagram, um, you know, sharing the the story of, of uh, Dante Moore's commitment with the two eyeball emojis. Um, so, you know, does it mean anything? Probably not. Um, but you know, he's, he's definitely, if anything, he just reinforces that, uh, you know, he's well aware of, of what the ducks and, uh, Dante are doing on the recruiting trail. And, uh, suffice it to say that Dante now goes from recruit to recruiter for the ducks in the 2023 class. Yeah. He is now the main recruiter to bring all his other five-star friends along with him. Uh, I think wars have been fought over that two eyes emoji right there, but any any positive any news like you said we're gonna be on it and it definitely is uh can it's definitely good to see yeah and then another cool thing that uh flew under the radar a little bit after the um after the commitment uh was or sorry no after the visit was these two oh they don't have it anymore i don't know if you know what i was going for but uh, Dante and Richard Young both posted visit pictures and they had the same caption saying ducks of a feather for show flock together. Uh, but before Dante's commitment, he, uh, he took it down, unfortunately, but <laughs> if you guys follow Oregon recruiting, you, uh, you know what I'm talking about and, and that, uh, and that you saw that, um, yo-yo asks, will he play versus Georgia? I uh, assume we're talking about Dante Moore here. No, uh, he won't play against Georgia, at least not as of right now. Uh, he's a class of 2023 recruit. So the uh, earliest that he could even get to Eugene would likely be uh, winter of 2022. Uh, likely January is kind of that that sweet spot when those uh, those guys end up arriving in Eugene as early enrollees. Uh, if you're Oregon now, I mean, you definitely want to get Dante back on campus uh, maybe later this month once visits open back up. And uh, ideally, you want to get him to sign early so that you can kind of just, uh, you know, have that wrapped up and uh, turn to 2024. Because I think that's one of the biggest benefits of the work that you put in the spring and summer, Graham, is that you can focus in on your Josh Connerlys, who who like to drag the decision out, or your Mateo Uyunglele's, who every time you hear from him, he's saying, you know, I'm not in a rush for with my decision. So you want to do that. And then you want to push into 2024, which as great as the previous staff was at recruiting, we didn't really see them do too much of it. And that being push ahead to the subsequent class. So I think that's something that I'm going to be looking for. Uh, I totally agree with you, Max. Obviously any work done in the future is, uh, or in right now will benefit in the future. Um, This is a huge win today for the Oregon Ducks, but it won't be long until it's forgotten about and there's more recruiting battles to go and win. Um, that's just the way that the recruiting trail goes. Um, so it's a, it's a huge win for Oregon. It's great to have Dante Moore on the team, but there's always going to be another recruiting battle. There's always going to be another one to win. The recruiting trail never ends. It does never end that. And that's why it's so fun to cover. And uh, I'm doing my best 
we do our best now. You know, we got you rock and rolling with recruiting to uh, keep up with it all. Uh, last question I'm going to address today uh, comes from Andrew. Says, also, what do you think the odds of McVeigh are? Connerly, Yuli, McVeigh would be a crazy trio of O linemen. Yeah, I think uh, Oregon's got a really good shot here um, because they got that last visit. Um, you know, his parents really liked the visit and uh, how that all went. Um, I think some of the big contenders here definitely got to be uh, A&M, uh, Michigan State, and, and Alabama. So I think I feel really good about Oregon's chances right now, especially seeing that he set his commitment date after uh, that visit to Oregon. And um, wasn't sure if, uh, Andrew, if you were around when we talked about this earlier, but after I talked to him following that official, he, I was like, kind of, where are you at with your recruitment? And he was saying, I'm in the end game now. So feels like that home stretch right now, seeing that he, seeing that he has a commitment date set for August 11th, he could end up taking trips uh, between now and then uh, if he wanted to. But when I talked to him, he only had a, he had two more officials in mind. Uh, I think it was Bama when they play A&M and then Florida when they play LSU. But that one was uh, a little bit um, less sure uh, as of right now, but you figure if he makes his commitment in the summer, then um, maybe he won't be taking those uh, official visits and, you know, he'd just be going back to his, uh, his school of choice. But um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens there with the, the recruitment of miles McVeigh, six, seven, 350 pound offensive lineman uh, out of East St. Louis. Um, before we get out of here, Graham, just any, any final thoughts from you on this commitment Oregon football, recruiting, anything. I think we got to cap it off with, uh, it's another great day for Oregon football. Uh, kind of like Andrew saying here in the comments, we, uh, it's really easy to get caught up in the next recruiting battle, you know, the conference realignment, uh, this and that. But because the recruiting trail never ends, like I said, it's important to use days like today to celebrate. So Go celebrate, Ducks fans. Today's the win. Today is absolutely a huge win as Oregon secures a commitment from 2023 quarterback Dante Moore, who will be a Duck and play his college football in Eugene. Guys, this was an awesome show, awesome live show of the Ducks Dish podcast. Really appreciate you guys who tuned in uh, live in the live show. Uh, definitely show us some love on the channel and uh, do us a favor and Share the podcast. That is, uh, you know, the biggest way you guys can help us get it to more Duck fans and help us grow the community here uh, at Ducks Dish. So uh, that'll do it for us here on this episode of the podcast. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend and uh, maybe we'll see some, some more action on the recruiting trail for the Ducks. Make sure you stay tuned in to Ducks Digest for the latest updates on the recruiting front. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Graham Metzger. We out. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. 
I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.